So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine TV podcast. My name's Chris Ballish. Doug Skeen's on vacation. Sorry, Doug Karsh. I fooled Doug Karsh into coming here thinking that Doug Skeen was going to be hosting this thing too, but uh, he's down there drinking some beers and watching some softball. So, but Doug Karsh, the voice of Michigan football, man. How's that? How's that sound to you? I'm thinking Bob Eufer, Frank Beckman, Jim Branstetter, Doug Karsh, man. Has it sunk in yet? Nope. Um, <laughs> I'm completely, completely numb to the concept. Uh, it's, it's really surreal. Um, hopefully I'll make it past one game i might do the spring game and that might be the end of it <laughs> yeah um no i mean contract, yeah, don't you i do yeah it's overwhelming right. and um it's something i'm very much looking forward to um I, you know john jansen and john absolutely is the best john left the big 10 network to come back uh he was told that he would be either a candidate for the job as color analyst, or he would get the job. This was back when uh, Frank Beckman left. And I believe he was actually told he got the job. And then Dave Brandon convinced Dan Deerdorf to come out of retirement and just do Michigan football. And John Jansen said, and this tells you what kind of guy John is. He was like, yep, yep, that's the way it should be. It should be Dan Deerdorf. And John said that he developed as a broadcaster and was able to be more prepared for this opportunity. And meanwhile, John and I did the pregame show for the last, I think it was seven years. It was eight years, eight years. We did the last eight years together. And I mean, Chris, you know, John, John's um, he's, he's a Michigan football captain and you see why Um, the kind of person he is, the way he he treats people, uh, just the stuff he says on the air, off the air, the observations he makes, the way he can read people, read a room. I see absolute strangers walk up and talk to him, and he has an amazing ability to make those people feel welcome. And, um, you know, he's just – he's. you can see why he was a captain, why I was told he was one of Lloyd Carr's favorites. And he's a great storyteller on the air, and we really like working together. I got this opportunity in large part because – you know, John went to bat for me and others, but, um, you know, I was really, really fired up and still it is, I, it doesn't sink in. But I, 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 one thing I'm looking forward to is not getting snarky texts from you on bad weather days from up in the box. <laughs> <place. laughs> isn't the window open though? Isn't, yeah, isn't yeah, I can open? open or close. I can do whatever I want, you know, All right. just so saying. people know the, the the classic was we were down at Purdue I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and it was raining sideways, and I'm down on the field in rain gear, but I'm still getting soaking wet, and my phone buzzes, and I look down, and it's Chris. It's midway through the third quarter. I'm miserably cold, and Chris sends me a text that complaining about the fact that the soup is a bit tepid in the press box. <laughs> 
Like, I'm not going to tell them what your response was either, buddy, but it was the hot <laughs> chocolate, not the soup. The soup was fine, Doug, and it really felt good on that day. And the crazy part about it was the, the forecast was fine, and then for three hours only, it was raining sideways, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. And uh, my parents were down there, too, and they looked fine, and they were they were prepared for it. Somebody else was not. But uh, it's, uh, but I'll say this. You did a great job, and, and you talk about the preparation, uh, doing the sidelines. Uh, you know, got your foot in the door. You did that for a long time. You did it well. The chemistry that you and Jansen have developed, and I think I'm probably not going to be the first one to tell you this. You can sense it in the booth. You can sense it when you're talking. You can sense it as friends. And I could sense that between Deerdorf and Brandstatter. And I think that's important. And Brandstatter and Frank Beckman, to be honest. So um, when you talk about John Jansen, and I agree with you completely, this guy, uh, as humble as he is, it's amazing for what he's accomplished, how humble he is. But, Doug, you you are the play-by-play guy. You understand that now. And uh, so and you go back to Bob Eufer, and uh, you think about because I know that you had the, the, the probably the record albums back in the day. You're a little old. Yeah. And uh, well, just like I did. And uh, so to think about that, uh, who's reached out to you? Who have you heard from? Because, man, uh, when you're thinking about uh, – I saw you having a beer with Paul Dodd, who used to work at the uh, the Wolverine and uh, – but man, when you think about those the old, those old days, uh, and here you are now, it's just unbelievable. Well, I heard from Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I thank heard you. The first guy that hired me in the media back in 1992 at Channel 25, a news anchor and news director at Channel 25, Terry Stanton, reached out to me, and um, and he, you know broke me into the business. It's funny. I hear from a bunch of Michigan baseball players because I used to do play-by-play for them back in the 90s. So, you know, uh, guys have reached out and um, I got a text from Marty Turco, who I had, had seen at a couple of tailgates. Uh, that was really cool. And Ante Scorpot, remember Ante? Ante I sure great. do. Billy Seymour. Um, I shouldn't start doing this because I just, I'm going to forget people. But I, it's funny because I knew it was going to be released yesterday at three. And I was like, I'm going to just turn my phone off and avoid, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And when I turned it on, I had 154 text messages. Great. And then I killed my battery trying to text everybody back because so many people reached out with nice things to say. And look, it's, I, I take the responsibility very seriously. Still waiting. <laughs> Still waiting. All right. I, I texted back the important people that reached out to me. Uh, no, I, I, I take the responsibility like very seriously um you know some people are really good at just turning the mics on and going and i'm not one of those guys i have an outline for everything we did in a three-hour pregame show that you know john i'd send to john i'd send to brian bush i'd send you know to everybody that had anything to do with the show and i was you know no surprises i mean you have to be quick on your feet but i had to be prepared for three hours if there were any weren't any surprises or any breaking news or any score from out of town that we wanted to talk about. Like if we had a three thirty game, one thing I love to do with John is we had TVs on and we'd be talking about what else was going on in college football on a night game. We'd always have a lot to digest, but it's going to be the same thing for play by play is be prepared for everything I can possibly be prepared for. And then once the game starts, you're just, you're just narrating the action. You are, um, you know, following the football. Where's the ball? Describe the play. Uh, what's the down? What's the distance? What's the score? You can't say that stuff enough. And then you you sprinkle in when you have time other stories and other moments. I think 
what I'm probably going to have to discipline myself with the most is John and I are used to, you know, telling long form stories because we had a lot of time and now we're going to have, who knows? I mean, in blowouts, it'll be different, but it's going to take some getting used to, but I'm, I'm sure we'll make it work. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, uh, listening to those early tapes, you started at WTK in Ann Arbor, I think, well, you didn't, but that's where I first heard you. So that's what matters um, <laughs> is when you were first on the air and uh, some of those early tapes, you still have those of your first few shows. Oh yeah. I could go They're yeah. down in the, I, my mom brought a box over a couple of years ago with some of the first shows that, that I ever did. And, Look, it, it's funny. I'll give you one of my first ever, and, and this might be a little bit of this with Michigan football. Um, the the first ever baseball game I did, I was like hanging on so tightly to describing the action that I remember the first home run. I was, you know, describing the outfielder going back to the wall and the ball is over the wall. It's a home run. That's what <laughs> That's I your call. That's fantastic. <laughs> but, but, you know, I have been asked 20 times, you know, what's your call going to be? What's your catchphrase? And I'm not going to pre-prepare anything. I, it's got to happen. Whatever happens is going to happen organically. And I think if you try and script that stuff off, it, it people can see through it. So, sure. you know, I'm, I, I, we're just, whatever happens, happens. And I'm not, uh, let it happen and let it happen naturally. But, you know, John and I have tested some games together in a studio on a screen. Uh, we've done a couple of uh, quick lane bowls which I'm sure everybody listened to when, when Rutgers and North Carolina got together a few years ago, you all remember. Uh, all five Nevada, of you. Nevada, Western Michigan this year. Um, so we've, you know, we've got a little bit of understanding the pacing, what I need to know, what I don't need to know. I had a long talk with Dan Dickerson about it and came out of it um, pretty encouraged. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm really fired up. As you should be. And uh, Doug, the ratings I remember at WTKA uh, were unbelievable. And they had to do a double take by the time you got there. And it, it's not going to be overnight. You know, it's like you said, play by play. It's going to be something that you continue to improve upon. But uh, but I thought you were fantastic, man. I listened to it and I thought you were great. So um, but uh, like anything, we actually have the the first tape. Uh, my producer, Clay, of, of you on WTKA. Clay, can you can you get that going here for us of Doug Carson? W no, I'm just kidding, man. That's <laughs> That'd be a Conan O'Brien thing or a Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> so, that would have been bad. That would have been, that been real... great. I was, I was looking. I was thinking about it. Now we're not going to do that to you. So um, talk about Jansen a little bit. First of all, you guys don't have an idea yet of uh, who's doing sidelines with you. Is that correct? We don't. Um, we're going to sit down and talk about that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot to sort out how the pregame is going to work. At this point, it's not really known. I don't think I'm going to have nearly as much to do with the pregame show. Um, but, and that, that's actually something I'm going to miss, Chris. I love putting that show together and, you know, being able to kind of just have that outlet to talk Michigan and big 10 and college football and tailgate and Ann Arbor and Jansen stories. And John's always, he's got tons of them and they just keep, you know, it, it's not, I still don't think we've even scraped the surface of all his stories from his time as a player and his time in the NFL and, you know, the, the stories he tells, I swear to God, he could tell, he could tell 10 hours of stories about Aaron Shea alone. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of Lloyd Carr, the Lloyd Carr quotes and the stuff he'd say to the team in the locker room that we never heard um, and how he'd get players motivated. He'd, 
he tells a story about how Lloyd used to get under his skin because Lloyd said before a Wisconsin game, he'd call Barry Alvarez. He goes, Jansen, I called Barry Alvarez and I offered him our, our entire offensive line for one Aaron Gibson. <laughs> Alvarez. <laughs> Alvarez said no. <laughs> That's great. And he would now those pale and those pale in comparison to the stories that we get over the beers the night before, which I'm guessing are going to be limited now, uh, that you're kind of a big deal here. So, and uh, I'm certainly not going to be hanging out with you anymore. I don't blame you. Yeah, I, I don't blame <laughs> you. But I will say this, the preparation that you've put in, and I've, I've always respected this, when you, whether you're going into a show or whether before a game, uh, you work your butt off. And I, don't, I think don't, people don't really realize what goes into going on the air and you can't just wing it, you know, and he never has, and you never have. Uh, so I respect that about you. That's the one thing. So um, I was going to ask you, did you get back with Tom Brady? I'm sure he was the first one to call, right? <laughs> you know, the Brady, Brady is a great, uh, great story because it was back in the 1050 days and the coaches told me, you know, the Brady kid is pretty special. We think Brady's special. And of course that was Brady Henson era. And so I was like on the air and I'm like, well, they know better than I do. So I became a Tom Brady guy back then. And of course it wasn't, you know, there was a local kid that was really likable and was also really good. Uh, it's not like Drew Henson was a bad college quarterback. He was a great college quarterback. And Brady was also a great college quarterback. And, you know, I got to know his dad a little bit. And when Brady left, <laughs> he gave me a cell phone number and said, hey, if you ever need anything, give me a call. And then the first year he makes it to the Super Bowl, so I'm there. Hey, hey, Tom, it's Doug. Remember me? Hey, I left him a message. Do you want to come on a talk show this week? And he called back, so I called him again. Hey, you must not have got my message. You remember me? Yeah, I know you're playing the Super Bowl this week, but if you got 10 minutes, we'd love to have you on the air. Um, but I bumped into him a couple times, and he's great. That's one of the great Jansen stories. I don't know if um, he's ever told this one, but the first or second signing with the Stars, Jansen was back, Shea was back, and Brady was back, whichever one that was. And there was a green room backstage. And Jansen tells a story that they go, they go backstage and Tom Brady, who's now obviously a superstar, walks in the room and Tom Brady, Aaron Shea, and John Jansen immediately fall back into their old roles, which was Brady was a captain. Shea was a team leader. I'm sorry, Jansen was a captain. Shea was a team leader. And they picked on the quarterback. And, you know, now Tom Brady's an international superstar. And immediately, Jansen and Shea started picking on the quarterback. And Brady took it because that's their role. And that's it just it's so funny to this day that that hasn't changed. Um, yeah. The one game I, I missed a couple games, actually, in the last 16 years. One was for a work function I couldn't avoid uh, for the job I have on the ticket. And it was the game Brady came back. It was the honorary captain, and Jansen got to be sideline reporter that game. So he got the exclusive interview. The other one was when my son played for the state tennis championship, and I skipped that to go to that. But um, skipped the Penn State game, the Jay Patterson comeback game in State College a couple of years ago. But um, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I promise people nobody will work harder at uh, being good at that job than I will. Yeah, and your young man uh, won the state title, by the way, the state tennis championship, which is uh, he won up you just like he does on the golf course now, uh, and and all of us, unfortunately, it's so bad. Isn't it? Yards, it sucks. It really does. <laughs> uh, 
So watching this kid that you used to throw a ball to in the lobby, you know, when he was two years old, you know, out drive you by 80 yards is uh, is emasculating, Doug. It's uh, <laughs> it really is. But I'll say this. I deny it, uh, but it's it's, it's true. And it's, yeah. It happens to everybody as your kids start yep. to. Hey, I have three kids. I can still beat the crap out of the other two in golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for about uh, for about two more years. So, because they're pretty right. good athletes too. So, uh, Doug, just a couple more things here. Um, you actually ran into Brady at the Super Bowl, if I don't, if I recall, what was it about ten years ago? And you asked him a question, and he actually remembered you. Yeah. So it was media day, and it was in Jacksonville. They were playing Philadelphia. It was still, I mean, relatively early in his career, and he, you know, I just asked him a question. You know, is there any lessons from your days at Michigan that you took with you? And he stopped looked at me and said how you doing and i said i'm pretty good <laughs> and then when it was over i was standing off to the side and he came over and had a bunch of questions about the team and about lloyd carr and i'll never forget because you know the media day and he had a huge throng of people around him he wanted to talk michigan football but the last question yelled at him before he came up to me was are you dating one of president bush's daughters and <laughs> like it was just so weird that that was Tom Brady. And then, yeah, he wanted to know all about Michigan football, wanted to get caught up, wanted to, you know, what was the feel on the team and are they going to do this and are they going to do that? And it was, it was just interesting to see that that part of his life, I mean, he talks about it all the time, so it shouldn't surprise anybody, but that's a big part of who he is even to this day. Yeah. And uh, of course you're looking at him with those. That wasn't your question, right? About President No, it was not my question. <laughs> Okay. Yours was what cologne do you wear? I think it was. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, everybody wants to be like Tom Brady. So uh, he's right. Doug Karst, the voice of Michigan football. It's, uh, it's amazing to say. Uh, and I'll say this, man. I'm proud of you as, as, as a friend and as a colleague. And you've earned it. You've earned the right to do this. And I think you're going to do a great job. Uh, Jansen, you guys have great chemistry. So uh, your sideline reporter, if you need some input, man, uh, you know, just text me. I'm, I'm still waiting for the, the uh, thank you text. So I'm sure I'll be... I'm sure you can send it at the same time. So, Are you going to apply for a job? Put you down on the field? Yeah. You about the weather? And then Borton can talk to you every Monday for the from the sidelines piece? <laughs> exactly. Who's, how are we going to do that, man? That's going to suck. We're going to have to get somebody. I told Borton, uh, I said, you're going to have to get somebody new. We can do from the booth. And he said, right. he texted like, from on high <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Boring. Because it's fun, man. When you're down there, you get to see the interactions and stuff like that of what's going on behind the bench and uh, that was really great stuff. That was one of our most read columns, and uh, it was fantastic. So whoever you get down there, you're going to have to uh, hook it up. You know, we'll give them 20 bucks or something like that to give us the scoop, and uh, which will be more, than, more you than you ever gave us. This is 20 more than you paid me. So as good as it was, it was cool because they're, look, they're doing that. A lot of that stuff was stuff I'd report on the air during games, but a lot of it is you don't have time. Like you see something, and it's. You think it's significant, but the game flow never allows for you to make a sideline report, so it would just get filed away. And I started taking notes, like you know, a couple of years into doing the from the sidelines, I'd take notes of all the stuff that we didn't get on the air that I could tell Borton on Monday. Um, right. So it, I like doing it. It seemed like um, it seemed like a lot of people quoted that stuff back to me. You know, I read that you said, and I'm thinking that's interesting. So they didn't listen to what I said, but they read what I said, which mean meant they were they were reading Wolverine. Yep, no doubt. Doug, I appreciate you, man, and uh, good luck to you. We'll catch up with you and hopefully get you and Jansen on together. I know Jansen's probably going to big time us, but, uh, you know, he's a little too big for the Wolverine now, just like Tom Brady. So for some <laughs> whatever reason, he doesn't return our calls either, Doug. So now, 
now that we've got a liaison here, maybe we can make it work. But uh, congratulations, yeah, brother. Uh, yeah. And we'll thank you. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I, I wish you guys luck moving forward and uh, hope I can still contribute to the site. Thank you. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.